Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? In honor of Self-Coaching Christians Month that we are doing in the Christian Health Club, we have a awesome mind topic for you today. Remember, we always have to um, talk about our full spirit, mind, body, wellness practices. And that includes really um, watching the thoughts that we have and uh, managing our minds. And a big part of that is the way that we think about and the way that we interact with the people in our life, our relationships uh, with our spouse, our kids, our parents, our coworkers, our friends. They play an enormous role in our health, both emotionally and physically. I've shared with you that, man, we had a doozy of a year in my family, you know, last year, just really being sandwiched between raising teenagers and navigating aging parents. There was a lot of stress. And with stress comes emotional and physical impact. You know, some of it unconsciously, some of it unconscious, some of it conscious. Like, you know, when you go to the pantry and mow down a bag of chips or polish off a bottle of wine in the fridge. <laughs> Relationship issues are often a trigger for emotional eating, for overeating or overdrinking, which derails our physical health goals. So today I have invited life coach and licensed therapist Jill Lillard to offer some insight and strategy on how to better manage our minds around our relationships, which can not only help improve the relationship, you know, all the relationships in our lives, but also help lower stress and emotional eating. I'm so excited to have her on with us today. Welcome, Jill, to the Christian Health Club podcast. Thank you so much. It's it's an honor to be here. Well, so glad you're here. I think this is a topic that will really resonate with everybody listening. I just, maybe it's just because I've been in a season of this. It, I You notice it more when um, other people are going through these kind of similar situations. It just, I, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the pain for a lot of people in, in mm. the kind of same situation, this life season I'm in as well. So I'm glad you're here to, um, kind of help us talk it through and, and figure out what we can do to, um, to better all of this. So let's just yes. start by, why don't you tell us about your background and what you do? Yes. Okay. Well, besides being a wife and a mother, my most favorite and most important role, um, I'm also a business owner, a therapist, a coach, and my background um, is a, as a licensed, thera licensed therapist. And so I'm trained in the Gottman method of couples therapy. And so I've spent 20 years helping people have better marriages and relationships. Um, and my heart's really for that. I, you know, I, a husband and wife are kind of the hub of their household, and so I have a real passion for that. Um, and so my husband and I, he's a psychologist, we have a local bricks and mortar building, um, Lifesong for Growth and Wellness, where we have several therapists who work with all kinds of people on mental health issues, and I specialize in the relationship issues there. But a few years ago, I decided to kind of venture out into coaching. Um, and I became a certified life coach with a life coach school. I got really riveted by, by that podcast and I'm like, I want to know more. And a lot of it was concepts that I was already using. It's, you know, uh, 
it's basically cognitive behavioral therapy, looking at the relationship between your thoughts and your feelings and how you're showing up in, in your life. Um, but the way the Life Coach School put it together was just very simple and clear, and, and I loved that. And so I have, for the past few years, I have um, been running an online business, and that's really where my passion is. Um, because it creates a sense of community between women who want to be better wives, who want to enjoy their marriages more. But I feel like being a happy wife is so much more than just what, what the dynamic is between you and your husband. It's when you are grounded and solid and are finding able to find joy in all your circumstances, you are going to be a happier wife, even if nothing you know, changes with your husband. So I think we have to look at who we are and how we're experiencing our relationships within the greater whole of things. And that's really what I do um, with the wives that I work with in that community. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, everybody here knows I love the life coach. I love the life coach school. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, am not a, yeah. I am not a life coach, but I am a, uh, gosh, uh, maybe in a, a, a different uh time era, that would be something. I, I just love it. I love I too. I've used the self-coaching model and it's been very helpful. We, I think it would be interesting for you to just, um, could you share the difference if somebody is wondering maybe the difference between a therapist and a life coach? I, I've had heard that question come up a yes. lot and I recommended life coach to a lot of people and who are in therapy. And so since you are both, I think that you could offer a very good perspective on this. Yes. Well, and I think that's a question I've been asking myself and kind of trying to figure out because I think the way I approach my therapy is very similar to how I would approach my coaching. I think the biggest difference that stands out to me is therapy is more diagnostic. And so, you know, Often because you're even billing through an insurance company and going through that route, you're accountable, like you're treating certain symptoms. And so to me, sometimes it seems more like dysfunction-based, like you're looking at the negative symptoms and trying to create measurable outcomes and changes with that. Whereas still my approach as a therapist and as a life coach, I think is the same. I'm more like future focused of the past doesn't matter so much the thoughts that you're having about the past that are coming up for you and creating some sort of pain or conflicting behavior in your life, those are incredibly relevant. But I like to be very future focused of creating results, outcomes, where we're going. And to me, there's just like a more positive flow and energy with that. And so I find that I'm identifying my, myself more as a coach. I think there's a teaching element um, involved with that. Um, and I, you know, if I do have clients, I, you know, certainly if someone is having more uh, critical, you know, they can't get out of bed in the morning, just having a hard time functioning on a daily basis, they would be a better candidate for therapy, um, which might move at a different pace. And it might be working even with the medical doctors of coordinating, you know, medication and treatment um, in that way. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I love that you have um, both backgrounds. I think that's very um, that's very helpful in that um, I do see that the coaching is very future focused and really um, really focused on results and especially the way the life um, coach school trains. So that it's a, it's yes. a big draw for for me. Well, let's talk mm -hmm. about let's talk about relationships because that's your jam and that is yes. what you help help people with and. And specifically, Christian wives. I love that. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's um, a wonderful um, group of women to work with. <laughs> we would like to um, be better wives just and be better selves. And I think that's kind of where we're going today. But um, how do you see relationships impacting someone's physical and overall health? Yes. Well, first off, I... I can't not see any, like everything I look at, <laughs> I look at in terms of relationships. And so thinking about the work that you do, you're doing a lot of that work of helping people understand the relationship about components of their body, like 
you know, for example, like the gut, how your gut health is going to affect maybe your mental health and what your skin looks like and feels like. And so within your body, there's a relationship of all the parts that they're all working together as a, as a unit. Um, each of those parts are functioning as a whole. And the same is true, I think, with our, our mental health and our relational health. So within you, you have your brain and your brain is like a filter. It takes in information and you're going to have thoughts and assessments about the world around you, about words that people say, things that they do or don't do, things that are going on in the world. And based on what you're thinking, your brain is going to release a cascade of chemicals called feelings. And those feelings become the fuel for the way that you're showing up in life. So all the things that you do and the things that you don't do, the words that you say or the words that you don't say. And so then those, the way that you're showing up in the world, your actions, they are then creating or they're part of that relationship with another person, right? So you're one, you're one unit that has all of this relation stuff going on inside of you physically and mentally and emotionally and then you meet up with another human being who has the same sorts of things going on within them words are said things are done and then you have thoughts about the way somebody else is showing up which creates new feelings for you and new actions and so it's just like this perpetual cycle of relationship and when we have feelings so let's say you feel lonely or hurt disappointed, frustrated, angry, just some examples of maybe some negative feelings that may come up for you that don't feel so good. And those are caused by the things that you're thinking, how you're assessing what your husband did or said, or what your, you know, how choices that your child's making, you're going to have an assessment about that, that are going to create a, an experience for you, feelings in ways that you show up. But when you have like those negative feelings and you don't like them, you don't want to experience them or you feel like they're bad, like I shouldn't feel this way, I shouldn't feel frustrated, you're going to respond, you know, you're going to have a relationship with your own feelings. So you're going to have thoughts about the way you're feeling. And so you may try to resist those feelings thinking I shouldn't feel this way. Or if you feel fearful or panicked, you may think this is an emergency. And you respond to your feelings either by indulging them or you're, you're resisting them. And so you may resist them like trying to power through to positivity, which you can't sustain that. It, you, you can only do that for so long and it may come up in like chronic migraines, you know, physical health issues or passive aggressive comments. Um, and so it's hard to sustain that, sustain that positivity because it's coming from a place of resisting the negative emotion. You also may resist your emotion by overeating or over drinking or wasting a lot of time on social media um, when you're not, and not doing other things that are going to be more productive and make you feel better. And so then it can become a, kind of like a, a loop, a, an endless cycle of kind of despair as you create a net negative consequences. So some of the ways you respond to your feelings, like there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel comfortable, um, but when you're just trying to comfort yourself and just buffer that negative emotion to the extent that that you're experiencing net negative consequences for because you ate too much, right? Or because you ate a lot of processed foods that maybe made you feel really good in the moment, that sugar or those chips, um, but then you have a net negative consequence of the effects that has in your body, then you're beating yourself up against, you know, about all of that. And so the relationship between our physical health, our emotional health and our relationships with other people, it's, it's so interconnected. It's very, it's hard to separate it all. It is so hard to separate. I like where you started with that, the, the relationship that we have with our body that is a relationship. We have thoughts about our yes. body. We have feelings about our body. We take action. Um, we take action with our body, but also toward our body sometimes against our body. That's a really, yes. that's an interesting, like kind of place that you started, which mm -hmm. I, I really love. And then also when you talk about those thoughts and the, you know, cascading into feelings and I've shared here before, you know, that that feelings are emotion and emotion is energy in motion. And, you know, mm. with, with that release of 
the feelings, you know, we release chemicals in our body like cortisol, you know, we like release hormones. Mm -hmm. And that is a physical response in the body to the way that you're thinking. And so it's why I'm always Mm -hmm. telling people you, we got to manage our minds because, the, you know, yes. it just it is leading into this cascade, um, and then the way that we act when we're we're stressed, and um, this is when you know you're snapping at your kids or you're snapping at your husband, and then in your mind you're like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? And and, mm-hmm. and you're you don't know why, and it's so frustrating. And so this is where we slow it all down, and we 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 look into this and we think about it. Yes. Um, and so that, and that's what I love. It's so worthy. And uh, we don't do that for ourselves because we're, we're so busy. We just move on into the next thing. And so that's why I think yes. like, talking about it like this and working with the life coach and just giving dedicated time to pick apart, to think about our thoughts. What are we thinking mm-hmm. about our body, about our family, about, you know, that our kid, um, made these decisions and it was just horrible. I'm talking about myself. <laughs> so, you know, like, I mean, I, yeah. I have shared here, it's, it was very stressful, some things and how that you yes. feel like you're, it, you know, all those things. So, yes. um, it, how do well, we, and I think, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and I think kind of piggybacking on what you said, I think how, like our relationship with our own emotional world Right? So a lot of times we're not really aware what we're thinking or feeling. I think a lot of people don't have a lot of insight with that. Like we'll keep busy and so we don't have that awareness. And then we're kind of functioning on default. So those things are still coming into play. They're totally affecting our life, but maybe we're choosing not to be aware of them or we don't know what to do with them. But I think how we respond to our own emotions, like if we beat ourselves up for how we're feeling or we feel ashamed that we're having a certain feeling that we shouldn't feel that way, we shouldn't feel jealous or angry or hurt. And how we respond to our own feelings, whether it be with judgment or in a loving way, I think that's the same way we're responding to somebody else's feeling. And so someone else that we love, when they're hurting or they're upset or they're having thoughts about something we did, and maybe they're sharing that with us in an effective way or an ineffective way, like maybe they're just communicating very directly or maybe there's some passive aggressive ways of saying it. And we start having thoughts about what they're feeling and thinking, thinking, well, they shouldn't feel that way. How dare them? Or we start trying to own how they're feeling. You know, we end up, in a lot of trouble. <laughs> we, we end up creating a lot of disconnection. And, and that's why I think we have to learn first, if you go inward and you learn to look at your own inner world and be able to manage your thoughts, be aware of your thoughts, think about what you're thinking about, be able to experience your feelings without being scared of them, you know, because the feelings are harmless. They can't hurt us, but often we're afraid of them or we're judging them. If you can, if you can do that work on yourself and that can play out like in trying to lose weight or, you know, trying to be healthier, all of that stuff's going to come to the surface. If you can learn to have compassion for yourself and be self-aware, that is going to help you. It's the same skill set that's going to help you be empathic and loving and open, you know, creating space for someone else to share their feelings because that's the work that goes on in relationships, right? That's why relationships are so amazing and why they're so terrible is because of all the feelings that that come up for us. So many feelings. Yes. (laughs) I, okay, so I like what you said about owning something to the effect of owning your own thoughts and not trying to own other people's thoughts. Let's, let's talk about that and how I think a big part of learning how to to live well in a relationship is not is to not trying to own the other person's thoughts in in their behavior and just let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I think the more that we're trying to make someone else happy, right? And I think that's what we're doing when we're if someone's unhappy, with us or they're unhappy with something we did or just unhappy in general. (laughs) Like, you know, if your kids, if your kids are struggling or having a hard time as, as they do, especially at teenagers, a lot of the emotions, when you're thinking, I have to fix this, I have to make them happy. 
what happens is you become kind of a manipulator and a controller and you become a horrible listener <laughs> um, because you're not allowing space for them to have that. You're feeling a sense of responsibility, which, you know, especially as a parent, you know, you used to wipe their butt and change their diapers. <laughs> and so you had all this responsibility. And as they get older, as they become teenagers and young adults, you're, you're releasing and relinquishing more of that and, and asking the Lord to give you wisdom of, you know, of, of letting go of, of those things, when to speak, when to be silent. And so something that's really helped me, um, since I kind of put us on the topic of teenagers, something that's really helped me, especially with raising teenagers, is saying to myself, you know, if my daughter has a lot of big emotions and outlandish thoughts and a crazy assessments <laughs> of things, I want to set her straight. But if I say to myself, I'm here to listen, I'm here to listen. And I kind of just, I soothe myself by saying that as I listen to her talk and share. That helps me to really slow down and not to pick her, her emotions off the table. You know, so if we imagine, I, I, I use a, a tool or a concept um, that has been really effective in couples therapy using the talk table. So if you, it, it, and that came about because I have a glass table in my office, which is in between the two couches. And so there's a table in front of the couple. And a lot of times when you start hearing people have conversations, it feels like they're throwing things at each other or somebody's setting something down and someone else is grabbing it and trying to take control of it and the other person didn't want them to do that they just wanted to show it to them you know and so i have a table in my office and it has um this little platter of cocoa pods so they're just some shellacked pods a decorative thing that's been there and i was thinking imagine if imagine that each each person has this platter of those cocoa pods and every time they share a thought or a feeling they're placing one of the pods on the uh, on the table and the other person is there simply to listen to make observations about what the other person is putting out there because where we get in trouble is when we start picking those pods up and we you know maybe we're sharing our thoughts and feelings and we're hurling them at the other person rather than sitting at the sitting them on the table or maybe we're the speaker and so we're setting them at the table but then the other person's picking them up and we're like no you're not listening you're not listening to me um you know and they feel insulted because the other person is trying to own their problem and then they feel like okay you think i'm not smart enough to do this and so i think just having a skill set um i think one way we can kind of hone into not owning other people's problems is to become better listeners, you know, to acknowledge what somebody else is saying, um, ask them questions to kind of bring out and understand more. And so that as they talk, you're creating a safe place so they can explore their own thoughts of feelings of why they're making the choices they're making or doing what they're doing. Um, and to be able to do that, we have to have that foundational belief of I'm not responsible for their thoughts or feelings. And so it doesn't mean you don't care you know, we, we can use that against us of like, okay, they're feeling the way they feel because of what they're thinking and I don't have to agree with their thoughts. I think that can be a really helpful direction to go for a lot of us. It can help us release control, but it does not become helpful if we start kind of distancing and disconnecting. We want to disconnect in a helpful way so that we can connect better. So we want to quit owning it. We want to, but we want to also create the space to allow them to share. So you're not responsible for what another person thinks, feels, how they're showing up in life, that is not your responsibility, but you are always 100% responsible for how you're showing up. And so if you want to be someone who is loving and kind and compassionate and be the, the woman, whatever, however you would describe that person, being the woman that you want to be or that God has called you to be, that's 100% on your plate and that's enough to focus on. And we can do that better when we release putting our energy, stop putting our energy into what we can't control, which is other people's thoughts, feelings, and actions. But keep turning toward in your relationship so that you're still caring and not just saying, okay, that's you and this is me. Otherwise we'll turn away and we, and we go down that cascade of distance, loneliness, and isolation. And that's where we start feeling like separate lives living under the, the same roof. And that's a, a lonely place in a relationship. Yeah, it's hard not to want, it's hard not to be, uh, to be, to let people have their, their thoughts. <laughs> it's hard yes. to let people have their own thinking and, and, and yes. not want, and, and not have thoughts about it and let them, 
have have what they want to have in their mind and their and their feelings and it's hard to be neutral about that Mm -hmm. it's hard to um just like for example with your like with your teenager or you know i'll just say with like my teenager you know you have these expectations of how your life's gonna be as a mom and Um, how, what kind of mom you're going to be and how your kid's going to be and what they're going to do. And then when they don't, it's just, it's just a, it all crumbles and it's, I don't know, it's, it's when it becomes such a mess. And this is where, you know, I had to do a lot of self-coaching last year because I was, um, you know, I was reacting so much to what my, my kid was doing and having, I was like, oh my gosh, this reflects on me. I was embarrassed, you know, I live in this mm-hmm. small town. What are people going to think? And, you know, and it, it was, I don't know. I had to really, it, it, I was like, mm-hmm. this kid is making me grow, yo. Yes. <laughs> He's making me grow. Yes. So I well, th- go ahead. Cause I think that's just, it's, that's so hard. Well, and we want to believe like, we want to believe we're suffering that we feel embarrassed or we feel frustrated, like that we're having this angst because of what the other person is doing, right? We really believe, well, if they would just get in line and stop doing that and act the way that they should, then I'm gonna feel better. And so we really believe we're frustrated because of how someone else is showing up, but it's not true. You know, it's the reason we're feeling frustrated is because of what we're thinking about what they're doing, what we're making it mean. And sometimes we make it mean something about us. And I think the perfect example of that is like you look at COVID, which has been around for a while, right? The pandemic, like some people were suffering before and and have never physically suffered from that, but they've been suffering for a long time. Like I I know someone who still has not left their house, a couple that has been quarantined themselves for a few years now. So I don't know if they'll ever kind of come out, but what I'm, you know, like we can see with the pandemic, a lot of different reactions to that. And so we know it wasn't the pandemic that was causing the suffering because other people might not be experiencing that, right? So this couple who's locked themselves inside their house for two years, they might say it's because of the pandemic, but it's what they're believing, what they're thinking, how they're processing it, which is very different than how maybe I'm processing it. And so I might not, my life might not feel affected as much. And so I think it's the same way with the way other people are showing up because there could be other parents whose child are behaving the same way your child's behaving, but they're not suffering because their expectations are different. Um, and so we just want to consider those things because God gives us agency. He gives us free will over our thoughts, our feelings, the way we're showing up, but we don't get, you know, he doesn't give us agency or management over somebody else's life, (laughs) right? And that's when we're going to be frustrated because we're thinking this is how they should behave. But when we're thinking they should behave a certain way and we feel frustrated, then we might become passive aggressive. We may start distancing ourselves or shutting down, or we might start yelling or nagging or getting angry. And then the result is that we should be behaving differently. Like we create that result because of what we're thinking about the other person's behavior. Mm-hmm. I like the um, that concept in the the life sco- the life coach school teaches about the manuals, like having mm-hmm. a manual for somebody else. Will you? Because that that really, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Will you explain that concept? Yes. Yeah. Basically, a manual is your rule book, your set of rules of how life should be, how people should show up. Um, and so we may not have all those written down in a book, but we do, we each have a manual of how we expect life to be. And when we are trying to hold people to following our manual, then we're going to be frustrated and aggravated because we're thinking you're not doing it right. And so, you know, we can throw out our manual. Now it doesn't mean you can't have expectations or desires or wants, but I think it's very different. Like when you feel entitled to something or you, um, you know, think that your husband should be, I don't know, helping you with the dishes or mowing the grass or I don't know, doing something that you think he should be doing because that's in your manual because that's what your dad did or this is what happened in your family of origin. So you have an expectation of this is what husbands do, but your husband's not doing it. When you feel like, okay, he should be doing it, um, you know, you, you maybe aren't literally thinking he's not following my manual, but that's what you're 
you're thinking. He, he's not showing up the way he should be. What happens is you're going to get frustrated and aggravated. And so you might be snarky with him. And I think when we throw out the manual, it doesn't mean you can't make requests. You know, I always say some good actions in a relationship are making requests, but you make requests without demanding. You know, you relate to someone adult to adult. Other, otherwise, you end up in this parent-child boat. Either you're acting like the parent um, in, the re in the relationship with your spouse, or you end up becoming a child <laughs> because you feel like they're controlling you or whatever. You want to keep relating adult to adult. In adults, adult to adult, we can make requests, but we're not demanding them. And that's coming from a different feeling. Maybe it's coming from a, a feeling of acceptance, accepting that, oh, this is how I prefer things done. I like a clean house, but my husband really, he honestly could care less, <laughs> right? And so if I just think that's something I like and he doesn't necessarily like and like that, I mean, he he's indifferent about it and that's okay, that helps me feel more accepting. And when I feel more accepting, when I'm making a request, like, hey, do you mind helping me with the dishes? There's just a different energy about that. And he is very likely to do it. Like, sure, I'll help. Um, even though he might not initiate it, but if I'm getting naggy and whiny and disappointed and it's coming from frustration, it can create a big chasm in your relationship. And so if we throw out the manual, we can approach our desires and wants in a different way. Right. And that's exactly that, you know, the way that we're thinking about it and feeling about it, that's what leads to our actions. And if that, you know, if we're thinking of it that way, he should be doing this. He sh he should be helping with the dishes, and then we're asking in that snarky way. They don't want. That's not going to get him over there to want to help you. <laughs> yeah, you know? I hear people don't like to be talked to that way, <laughs> right? And and it's just a different approach. But we have to catch ourselves. That is what this whole thing yes. is about. You is catching yourself more often in that cascade mm -hmm. from thought, feeling into the action. You know, which is the words we're speaking, or or maybe maybe yelling, or you know what, however whatever it is. I know it made me think of, you know, when my husband and I were first married and I can remember, um, it, I think it was my the first birthday after we were married. And I, you know, I, I came into the living room and I was just expecting him to jump up and be like, happy birthday, babe. And like, you know, cause <laughs> that's what I do to people. Right. I'm yeah. like, everything is about you today. This is all about, you know, and he just, he's like reading the paper. He didn't, you yes. know, it's like morning. And I'm like, um, I was really hurt. I was, I was like, okay, I'm not going to say anything. And I mean, it took him all morning and I was so hurt, you know, that he didn't yes. like, you know, and then over the years, I'm like, it, it, that's just who he is. He, you know, yes. he, my birthday is not on top, like the dates of birthdays and the, whatever the celebrate is not on top of his brain. Like it is on mine. And I just, yes. it's what, it sounds so silly, but it's just one of a gabillion things in a marriage. Like that's kind of a manual thing. Like I assume yes. everyone is going to make as big a birthday, um, a, a big deal about birthday as I do. And that's just not how it operates. <laughs> or like mother's day. I mean, I know a lot of moms feel like, <laughs> you know, I'm one of those that I'm like, I always start feeling sorry for myself on Mother's Day because I'm like, oh, my sister's kids sing, write songs for her and sing them and give her breakfast in bed and make pictures. And, you know, I always got my mom a present and let's make dinner and, you know, all those things. And yeah, so I find myself always disappointed on Mother's Day and because I start feeling unloved and I know I'm loved. I know my family loves me. My husband loves me without a doubt. And he shows me that year around in words of affirmation. He's always very affirming and always kind of lift, lifting me up. Um, and so I can, but my brain wants to think, oh, nobody loves me because nobody thought of me today. They forgot to say happy Mother's Day. Um, and so then I'll start feeling really down or sad. But I can also tell myself, okay, everybody does love you because just because they don't celebrate Mother's Day the way you think that they should or that way the way somebody else is celebrating their mother it doesn't mean they don't love you and so I can offer my brain the new thought and this is where I think it becomes um, kind of the art of experiencing emotions you know if we just try to power our way through to a positive thoughts okay you know we're thinking they don't love me and we feel sad but then we can offer our brain hey brain they do love you and you do believe that and so you feel loved you feel more accepting if you're just trying to power your way into that new thought of where you just feel more accepting and, and peaceful about it, but you're not really, um, you're doing it from a place of dismissing the sadness you're feeling or the hurt or the disappointment, what happens is you end up getting kind of stuck 
in that unintentional model, that unintentional feeling or thought that's coming up, right? So that's kind of the art. You have to be willing to feel the unwanted emotion. Like if you feel sad, you don't have to try to outrun the sad. You can recognize, okay, I feel sad because I'm thinking nobody loves me. And I know that's not true, but maybe I want to feel a little disappointed or, or something right now. And so, but when you can look at it, it, it starts to just dissipate rather than trying to run out of it. There's a big difference there. Yes, absolutely. I, I remember, you know, when I was just having some with my son last year and we, you know, we're having some intense moments and I just, you know, I just let myself be sad and let, yes. let the tears just fall in my wine. <laughs> I was just mm-hmm. like, this is what I want to do right now. I just want to cry my eyes out and, mm. and drink this wine. And, um, sometimes that was, you know, uh, it, it, there were moments when that was okay, but then there were moments where I was like going to the fridge. I got to pour myself a glass of wine. Cause I, I was mad and I, or, you know, or frustrated and I just wanted something joyful <laughs> you know mm-hmm. that in the moment which I guess we call this buffering um yeah. it's something to numb that or just avoid that you know or yes. put it off that and that I think this is where a lot of us um a lot of us mm-hmm. find ourselves if we're having frustration with our husband or our child or you know a parent or um a co-worker or um uh, in anybody in our life and it's just we want the comfort and we go yeah. we go to the food and we go to the drink and that yeah it is in this one's it's so hard to you know I get a lot of people that are like I know what to do and I just can't do it and then things are so stressful I'm a stress eater and this is the work of of figuring that out Mm-hmm. This is what it is, right? Yes. Yes. And when you're saying comfort, like we turn to things to comfort us, you know, we want the blanket to wrap around us. Like there's nothing wrong with wanting that. But as you're saying, when you were saying that, I was thinking, oh, well, the Holy Spirit, he's our comforter. Like he does comfort us and he might bring comfort to us in different ways, um, but he wants to be our encourager and he wants to be our comforter. And so when we have those feelings and we're trying to buffer them just to like kind of get out of our body or not have to feel them, I think we're really missing out on something. We're missing out on really experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit, because I think our feelings, all of our emotions, they're an invitation to engage with God. And they are a place where we can experience God's presence and his Holy Spirit in a very deep and profound way that we would not otherwise experience if we were just kind of feeling happy and content and, you know, in kind of the good feelings. And so don't be afraid of those negative feelings. Like don't run too quick to just kind of comfort them and numb them out. Allow yourself to really experience them and know that you're not alone in that space, that the Lord is right there beside you and he loves you so much and he wants to wipe away your tears. And I always think this is the part where the Lord is binding my heart to his. He wants to have that intimacy with intimacy with me. And so when I have those unwanted feelings that I so desperately just want to numb out and buffer, you know, buffer those feelings away, you know, I recognize there's almost like two paths to go on. One that's just going to try to escape and get out of it all. And one that's staying very aware and intentional and allowing myself to feel the feeling, but also experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit there with me as my comforter. Mm-hmm, mm, I love that. It's, 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 it's so, there's a lot of opportunity to invite him in to be our comforter. He's always giving us opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> there's always <laughs> opportunity for that. I think in, but it's, you know, it's a pause. I think a lot of us rush into, yeah. um, rush into action, reaction with things. Um, and, and, you know, especially, you know, I just, I kind of keep bringing around to food and drinking and things like that, because this is where it hits my audience really hard is that we, we don't 
pause long enough to do this processing part that we're talking about and mm -hmm. we rush to you know we rush to the chips or the wine or whatever it is instead yes. of taking that pause you know filling that space with some prayer a lot of times if we if we'll just pause and just give it a little time you know and pray and invite God into yes. that moment we can we can um that's you know experiencing the feeling which is uncomfortable but we can do it um, I just say, you know, it's putting, you're just delaying your, your pain because after you eat a bag of chips, mm -hmm. then you're just like in double pain because your feeling is still there yes. and your gut hurts. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And I like that you said pause because that's something with my women in the Happiest Lives Academy, I always talk about the four P's, which is panic, pause, pray, and praise. And so the the trigger is the panic oh I, I feel panicked right now that is your cue to hit pause hit the pause button you know if you literally can physically stop and just sit for a moment that that'll help you um mentally kind of do the same but sometimes things are moving especially if you got kids at home or you know you've got a job where you can't just hit you know get away from it all and physically slow down we want to get better at learning to mentally and emotionally pause to just breathe and exhale and relax i, lo I love the phrase push into the thorn right so mm -hmm. a, thor a, th a thorn is point a pointy but when you push into it and you just relax rather than trying to fight it or resist it kind of like getting a shot you can see a young child fighting a needle you know, as an adult, you get your shot. And hopefully, hopefully as an adult, you if you have to get a shot, you're not screaming and kicking, but you're just like, okay, this isn't gonna feel good, but you know, I'm gonna get through it. And so I think when we kind of pause by kind of pushing into the thorn, just letting all, everything relax around it, realizing it's not an emergency, we can slow it down, then we can pray. And I love using, so the process I use is the heart scan, which really, the tools we use in the heart scan is the self-coaching model where you do your unintentional and intentional model. So you're looking at what's the circumstance, what am I thinking about it, what am I feeling, how am I showing up, and what result am I creating? Which is usually not a result that you like. That's why you're sitting down looking at it because I hate, you know, I hate this result that I'm creating, um, that I'm, you know, detaching from other people or, you know, whatever it is. Then you create an intentional model which is what do I want to think about the circumstance? Or I like to work it backwards of what result would I like to have instead that I'm showing up as the woman that I'm proud, you know, that I'm proud of being, that I'm loving and kind or, you know, whatever that is, um, I'm getting things done, whatever that result is, then you kind of work backwards. Well, what would the things I'd be doing if I was going to get that result? How would I have to feel? What would I think? And so kind of going back to my four Ps, <laughs> I think sometimes when we pray, I think looking at that unintentional model, that's a way that we're just asking God to search our hearts, to show us any offensive way in ourselves. to, we're opening ourselves up to be exposed and to honestly just kind of look at things. And so I like to use, I like to use the heart scan and to use the models, which are, are two components of that, to journal, you know, capture my thoughts and take your thoughts captive and look at what's going on and look at what's true and helpful and inspiring and necessary and kind to kind of shift things. And that's kind of the, you know, kind of the prey. I'm, I'm giving that to the Lord. I'm asking him to search my heart. I'm laying that before him. I'm, I'm allowing him to kind of redirect. And then I think after we pray, we, I think this is so important. <laughs> that last part is so important to move into praise. When we get our mind off of ourself, it's so easy to get so fixated on yourself, right? We can get stuck in self-analysis or self-awareness or, you know, so we want to be aware of ourselves. So I don't want us to like be in default mode and unaware, come into awareness. But then I think shifting, shifting our focus into praise. And I love that scripture with praise and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your mind. And that starts with, um, do not be anxious about anything, right? So when we're anxious, we can pray and then we can move into praise. And when I move into praise, I mean, you know, I just move into thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful and you are good and you are kind and you are with me and you, you give me everything that I need. And that really helps me to shift my energy. So I can panic, pause, pray, and then praise.
Mm, I love that. The four Ps. That's so good. Yes. <laughs> I, and, and I think we can all, um, yes, just be aware. If you could just at least be aware when you're panicking, just, you know, have that awareness. I am panicking or I'm, or I'm stressing or whatever it is. And then when we just start recognizing that and slowing things down with the pause, then we have we have a better shot of not moving into that action of um, of something that you know will is self sabotage really um, mm -hmm. to our to our health and I just it's so yes. it it breaks my heart I mean not not that I don't do this I mean I but it <laughs> it you know I I'm always working on this for me that's why I loved you know I love the the self co coaching tools is because I constantly um have to self-coach and then I try to try to share this with other people so they're aware how to do it because I just it's the mind piece which is why we have to address spirit mind body mm -hmm. um and I always like to say in that order um because what's going on in the body has to do with the mind and where our mind is is you know where's where's the holy spirit in that but um mm -hmm. it's we have to do this work and nobody can do it for you, you know, but yourself. Yes. Um, so I think, yeah, again, this is why this is so incredibly uh, valuable and, mm -hmm. you know, always starting with, you know, in the self coaching model and, and, and everything is starting with that circumstance, you know, the, whatever that circumstance is, and I've used it here, whatever the, the number on the scale says, whatever, mm -hmm. um, whatever circumstance, whatever, you know, your kid says or did, or your husband, you know, did or said, that is the circumstance. And then the beautiful thing is from there, it's, we have a lot of choice. Yes. About, right. Yeah. I would say we have like the five parts of the model. We, we have control over four of them. Just one part we don't. We, we don't have control of the circumstance, but we have control over our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, the results. And so if we can just rechannel our energy, we're going to be a lot less exhausted. Yeah. And a lot of us <laughs> could stand to be a lot less exhausted. But, yes. you know, when we think about um, when St. Paul says, you know, I, I've learned how to be content basically in any circumstance. And that is the, not that we have to be happy about every circumstance that's going on in our lives, but in our, in our minds, we can find a way to peace with that. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have to, we don't have to go down the route of um, making everything so stressful because, you know, I think people don't realize we get to pick our thoughts. We can think anything yes. in the world, even if it's ridiculous, you can pick anything to think about a circumstance. Yes. When, I, when I heard that, I thought that was just so amazing. I'm like, you, mm -hmm. it could be, you could just, it could sound ridiculous if you could be, you know, happy. I mean, you know, Paul, St. Paul was, you know, in prison and he's like, oh, I get to write these letters and minister to people. <laughs> I'm like, mm -hmm. he's like basically being happy about being in prison or that's how he's, yes. this, you yeah. know, framing Beaten it, and shipwrecked. Yeah. You know, framing that circumstance where a lot mm -hmm. of us would be um, in the mire and marinating in the fact that, you know, it was horrible. So, but I, yes. but also I like what you said. And I think a lot of people get stuck in these, you know, affirmation mode, just trying to posit, you know, affirmation your way through it or positive your way through it. And I, I you know, I think that that's exhausting, basically. Yes. You know, like you said, that's so hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, um, what else? I mean, what else do you find helpful for um, the people that you work with and, and how do you, in working with them in your academy and such? Yeah, well, I kind of, I mean, I work with, we talk about all sorts of things, right? So, I mean, there's just kind of like you, there's an unlimited amount of topics. And when you think you've covered all the topics, something else comes about, uh, comes up. And so there's so many things that you can discuss and talk about and teach people on. Um, but I kind of boiled it down to five core things that I feel like um, are some really foundational skills that humans need to to have better lives and i put those into so i have a, a program the happiest lives academy which is an intensive five-month program now it's not 
it's not just for wives. Uh, other women can do it too. I originally was the happiest wives, but I'm like, eh, I want to be the happiest lives because, you know, sometimes things happen <laughs> with people and I don't want them to feel kind of excluded. But a lot of times the women come to me because they are having relationship issues. That might be how they find me. But the, in the academy, I take a small group of women. I think we had 12 in this last year's program. And I work with them intensively for five months. And we have a Slack group. So I could, they can get coaching from me daily. They can post their heart scans and I will give them feedback. They have a community of other Christian women. And so it's a very uplifting environment, even though we're talking about really hard things, like we're dealing with our greatest vulnerabilities and struggles and challenges. It's a very, like I said, positive and uplifting community. And what happens during those five months is each month a new transformation unlocks. And so that means they'll get a workbook in the mail from me with, you know, the the worksheets and all that they need to do the transformation. A new course will unlock um, in my happy vault where they'll get the directions and they'll get a lesson and some videos um, about the transformation. I'll, I'll coach with them every week. We have a coaching call and then every week we also have a worksheet workshop that they can show up on and um, have discussions with the other ladies about the worksheets and stuff that they did. So it's a pretty high level of support, but the transformations that we go through the first month is learning how to um, manage your life from the inside out. And that is basically learning how to boss your brain around, <laughs> like know what's going on there. And this is where we kind of do this thought work. And so what we'll do is we were literally like each week, we will have a space in your house you're going to organize so the first week we're going to clean out our closets and so you take everything out of your i give them a process for it you're going to take everything out of your closet you're going to wipe it down and then you're going to make decisions about each item like do i love it is it serving me would i would i get it today and then you're going to put it back put the things you love you know if you said no to one of those questions you're going to get rid of it and just put back the things you love and this is a very symbolic um, process. It's the same thing we're doing with our brain, right? So th they're also doing the worksheets on what are some thoughts in my life? What are things that I've been thinking that aren't serving me anymore? Like maybe there's some things that I believed when I was young and they, those thoughts protected me and they kept me safe, but I don't need them anymore. And that's kind of the same as I have this blanket that my grandma gave me when I was five and it's just sitting on the floor in my closet in the back collecting dust, um, is it still serving me anymore? Do I love it? Um, or if it is, maybe I should put it on the, on the couch, you know? And so we'll go through this process of each week organizing a certain space in their home, asking these questions, making decisions about what they're going to keep and what they're going to get rid of. And they're, they're, they're emotionally doing the same work about all the thoughts in their life, about all areas of their life. That's what they're doing in their workbooks and on the coaching calls and the worksheets so that's the first that's the first transformation of learning to um, manage your mind um, and your life from the inside out and then the I second month why we do that exact yes. same thing in um, in self-coaching Christians and which I do we do every October and it's like okay it's clean clean your closet clean your brain month <laughs> we just um we clean out our closets and, and kind of do that same so I love that that it, it is such a good um example in a, for people to really realize that, you know, you, you got to clean it out and then you only keep what is serving you. Exactly. That's yeah. So we can carry around so much extra, extra weight that we don't, that we don't need to carry. And I think physically doing that, you know, once again, the relation between the physical, like this isn't your physical body, but you're physically doing something. I think that can be so therapeutic, <laughs> you know, it can be so therapeutic um, because of the symbolism there and, and what that feels like. Yes, and I love that, that you do this and that y'all go and clean different, I mean, you're like targeting different spaces in your in your home. I love that along the way. Oh, it's fun. They'll sh they'll share, yeah, people will share pictures. And then after we had done that month, there'd be like later months where people were sharing like pictures of like sinks full of dishes. <laughs> and it's kind of like, okay, how do you clean, how do you, if you're overwhelmed by a sink full of dishes, you just do it one dish at a time, right? And that's the same way with our thoughts. When you start feeling emotionally overwhelmed by everything you're dealing with, you just deal with it one thought at a time, one plate at a time, one fork at a time, one coffee cup at a time. And so that's that, that first month work is so foundational for, you know, for absolutely everything. Oh, that's, 
Fantastic. And so what else? So then you said it's five months. So you all have a different lesson, kind of a, a focus each month like that. Yes. And like the second month, and I won't be as lengthy with each one of those, but the second month is we leverage our emotions and that's where we do that emotional work. We learn, we learn what it looks like to allow an emotion as opposed to resist it or indulge it. And so they'll pick three emotions they want to experience more of in their life. And we'll, we'll work on creating those feelings. And then three emotions, maybe they're avoiding that, that are really hard for them to face. And so they end up buffering those. So we do that the second month. The third month, we learn how to make powerful decisions. And decision-making is so crucial for everything in your life. If you can make a decision and be confident about the decision you made, often we'll make a decision, but then two minutes later, we'll go back and question it and we'll doubt and we'll backtrack. And so we never have our back on the decision we make. So we do work on making decisions and they'll identify something specific that they need to make a decision about. And I take them through a process of making that decision and having their back. And then the third month, we get into having calm conversations. And so they'll identify something they need to have a conversation about, you know, because sometimes we have conversations that we know we need to have and we're just not having them. And so they may identify something, um, you, whether it's uh, making a request from somebody in the relationship or it's sharing something or, you know, making some sort of bid to connect. And they'll go through a process of how to have a calm conversation and then they'll actually have it that month. And then the last month is breaking strongholds. And strongholds are really just those thoughts that you've had repeti repetitively. And so they become like those trails in the woods that are just have been blazed that, you know, if you have a nature center in town, you know, we have one that's probably been there for 30, 40 years. Those trails have been there a long time. And if they were to create new trails at the nature center, um, it, it would take people a while to get used to that. They'd have to really put some red tape up, some yellow tape up saying, don't go down here. And people would still want to go down there. <laughs> um, and then they'd have to take some effort to kind of create the, to create the new trails. But eventually over time, the old trails would overgrow and the new trails would be formed. But for some things, some thoughts, some beliefs in our life that are so ingrained, th it, that requires a level of patience and it requires a level of trust. And you're going to go through that that place, that, that river of misery, that sea of suffering in between where you are and where you want to be. Um, and I think that's the place where the Lord binds our heart to his. And he just, when we can surrender, surrender to him, we can move into a new kind of energy and flow with all of that. Mm, yes. I like that. I like that visual of the, the blazing new trails and, you know, in the forest. I mean, it, to, to make a new trail, it's like, you have to um, you have to go over it over and over. And so when we're trying to think a new thought, you know, like we want to go down that, that old trail that's our, you know, well trod and it's the trail of, you know, my, I'll never be able to, um, change my body or I'm never, I'm, you know, mm -hmm. I'm never going to be able to, um, be healthy or make these healthy habits, right? That's the trail we keep yes. walking down and to, to, to blaze a new trail and blaze new thoughts. Like I can, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this and, and my body is a, is a blessing or whatever, whatever yes. we're thinking, these new thoughts that we have to think it's, you know, we have to like, it, it takes some effort to do that. And your brain is literally having to create neural pathways to like, your brain is literally creating new trails <laughs> about yes. those new beliefs. Like my body's working for me. That might be a new trail that is very different for you. If you've always felt like your body's working against you. Um, so yeah, you're literally creating new trails in your brain. Exactly. I mean, it's more of that, you know, that physiological, um, response that's happening, um, alongside it. So I love that. And you said something earlier and I just wanted to touch on, I like, I've heard in, you know, the life co coach school and they've talked about indulging emotions and I, it was kind of one of those convicting things like, Oh, you know, like, cause we can indulge in our overwhelm. We can indulge mm -hmm. in our indecision. We can indulge kind of in our, in our drama, y you know, we can mm -hmm. stay in that. And by indulging, I mean, we, we stay in that place, um, or maybe you, um, you could describe it better, but just, you know, kind of staying in that, we allow ourselves to keep indulging in that overwhelm or in that indecision instead of like you're saying, like, make a powerful decision and have your own back and stand beside mm -hmm. it. But we, we can indulge in indecision and waffling back and forth. And my word that takes so much 
brain energy and brain yes. space. So can you just speak to that a little bit about maybe indulging? Yeah. <laughs> indulging. Yeah. And, I think when we're, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say yeah. indulging sounds, you know, kind, I don't know that that can have a negative or a positive connotation, but you know, it's, it's just that we allow ourselves to do, we're responsible for that, that we're allowing ourselves mm -hmm. to sit in that, in that overwhelm or, or whatever it is. And I think sometimes people are confused about like when we're saying, okay, quit resisting it. So then they think, well, the alternative is I indulge it. Like, you know, that I'm giving it all the power. I mean, I think there's some middle ground there. So it's kind of like if you're on the phone and you have a young child and the young child is mommy, 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 like they keep kind of trying to get your attention. You can resist them. You can ignore them, but they're probably going to get louder until they get your attention and your, your emotions are going to do the same thing. Or you could indulge the child of, okay, fine. I have to get off the phone. I can't do this because, you know, or if you're trying to cook dinner or do something else and your child is insisting that you play with them or something, right? You could indulge them and just give them the candy bar or whatever it is that they're wanting. Um, but I think what we do is we don't, neither one of those is really a good choice to ignore and resist or indulge the, the demanding cry of the emotion of the child. <laughs> um, we want to look them in the eyeball and we want to acknowledge, we want to get the information. Um, and then we want to make a decision from a different part of our brain of maybe what's in their best interest or our best interest. Like we don't want to, um, I think we can look at emotions. So that's one way to look at emotions. We could also look at them kind of like employees of a company. You have some companies where the, bo the bosses, the management are very interested in what the workers frontline experience is like or what the customers experience is like. They want to gather that information and they want to learn from it. And then you have other companies that are like, I don't want to know. This is just the way we're doing things. And I think the, the best way is like to be open for the information, but it doesn't mean that you're putting all the employees in the management seat of the business because then you're going to have chaos because they may not know the bigger picture of everything. And so I think when we indulge our emotions, we're like, we're really believing the thought that is creating the feeling. We're acting like it's true. Like if we feel overwhelmed because we're thinking there's just too much and we indulge that, we're really believing this is too much. This is, you know, I can't do this. Um, and so we start kind of lingering in that feeling and we stop taking action. The difference between allowing the feeling and experiencing it, we might recognize, okay, I feel overwhelmed. And, you know, we get outside of the emotion and we're looking down on it. That's why I like doing the models because we're writing it down and we can see it. It's no longer just happening to us. Okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed because I'm thinking this is all too much and, th and that's okay. And I'm going to take action in this new model from this new thought of I have everything that I need. You know, I can do this. Like, it's not too much. Um, that might make us, you know, shift our energy. I mean, we could do a whole talk on that one of how you kind of shift those thoughts. But um, so hopefully that makes a little bit more sense of what allowing and actually feeling the feeling is. I always think like if you're angry and you're throwing things or you're sad or depressed and you're just staying in bed and curling up in the fetal position and crying, you're not really feeling those feelings. You, you are shutting down. You're trying to get out of your, your body. You're escaping. When you're yelling, you're not really feeling angry. You know, when you're sticking your head in the sand, you're not really feeling sad. You're, you're not experiencing the, the emotion at all. So I say if you're going to feel angry, if you're going to feel sad, really feel the feeling don't react from it hmm. that's good gosh i could talk about this stuff all day me too <laughs> like, yeah me too let's just talk all day long i could i could um but we're we're i think we're i know we've been a long time haven't we? i know but <laughs> it's just the time flies because i i think yeah, this is does. so important and um i always like to do these episodes where I challenge um, the listeners to to challenge their thoughts and um, and to be aware of those thoughts that are going through the brain and are they serving you? You know, are they leading yes. you into the results that you want in your life? And if they're not, then it is time to take those thoughts captive. And I do think, um, you know, using the the self coaching model, working with a life coach, sometimes we need to, we have to, it's just like, you know, going to a trainer or going to a nutritionist or, you know, you need somebody on your team, on your, on your health team yes. to help you do this thing. So, um, I, I love that. Um, before mm -hmm. I let you go, I need to ask you the anchor questions. And the oh, yes. first one is what is your anchor meal? I love 
because it's so simple, <laughs> like if I'm not like cooking for my whole family, I like pizza bowls where I basically can take frozen spinach. You know, you could just crumble that up and get a lot of spinach in there and maybe some mushrooms um, and other veggies. And then maybe put a little bit of tomato sauce on it and cheese and microwave it. And so I always call that my pizza bowl. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That sounds super really good. good. I love some things. olives. <laughs> yeah, you could whatever you whatever you got in the whatever fridge. Whatever you like. Yeah. Put, put some marinara and cheese on it and it's it's pizza time. I love that. Okay, how about an anchor verse? My favorite verse, which has been for years, I always say like I have a new favorite verse. You know, the more you read God's word and he gives you a verse that speaks to where you are, it becomes your favorite verse. But I mean, a verse that I've held on to for years is from Isaiah 26, 3. And it's he whose feet are steadfast will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. And I love that because it makes me just feel so peaceful and steady and committed um, that that's where our peace comes from when we just kind of take those steady, committed steps. Like we don't have to do, you know, gigantic, crazy, crazy things that we can just have that peace from being steadfast. Oh, I love that's a good one. Thank you for sharing that. How can people connect with you if they would like to work with you or join your academy, get live coaching? Um, how could they do that? Yes. Well, I have two web pages. I'll, I'll give you the first one because it goes directly to my different products and courses and programs. And that is, um, and you always have to put the www or it doesn't come up, but it's www.myhappyvault.com. So my happy vault, and there's a vault of courses and stuff in there. Um, and then I have a really pretty web page, and it will link you to my courses. And so it, it's prettier on the outside, and that is thehappiestlives.com. So either one of those work. And when you go there, you can get, I have a couple of free courses. Um, on the pretty web page, you'll see an immediate link for my freebie, the four things you must do to become the happiest wife. And so I give you just short, four little short lessons, a little video, um, a workbook that I love. Um, and so you can find out what are those four things that you can do to become the happiest wife. Mm, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. We'll put these, um, and we'll put the links in the show notes for sure. Okay. Um, thank you, Jill, so much for being um, the guest today and going through this with us. I love that you have this, um, the the training you do in in all the areas and um, just bringing such good perspective and helping us slow down and and take charge of our uh, of our minds and um, mm -hmm. it just really does help us um, live into the people that God called us to be and the people that we want to be you know yes so. yeah well thank you so much for having me it's yeah it's a it's fun to hear your voice and I get to talk back to it. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I'm so used to hearing your voice, but I'm like, oh, I get to have a conversation with that voice. And so that's really fun. <laughs> oh, it's fun. so fun to have you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.